Okay. I sound like, in my own ears, I sound like I'm in the bathroom, actually. VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 637, recorded on January 26th, 2022. Thirty-seventh edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and four hundred seventieth episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Kerr. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Right. So, um, there was some delightful news <laughs> that was posted a couple of minutes ago, really. Uh, but you know, before, after. And uh, this one gives me chills down my spine that the YouTube CEO says that FTs and crypto will be present as a previously unimaginable opportunity on YouTube. And my thought is, okay, goodbye, YouTube. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Folding Ideas did a two-hour video on NFTs. And basically it's – you know what NFTs are really and cryptocurrency? It's subprime mortgages redux. It's a second attempt at the same same exact bubble, same exact bubble, except in this case, NFTs, cryptocurrency valuations fluctuate so much, you can't, it's it's not valid as a currency, and it's based on nothing. I think like yesterday, I saw all of them were going down majorly in value, and it just, it does not seem like a stable currency at all. No, but here's the thing. Uh, Folding Ideas did a video about this, and um, it showed the uh, the mentality behind a lot of these crypto bros, which is just hilarious. There is like there's no there's no valuable commodity backing cryptocurrency. No. <laughs> it's just imaginary, made up numbers made more valuable by by people who imagine them to be more than they are. And also, um, people say, well, the U.S. got off the gold standard. No, here's the thing. The U.S. dollar is based on our GDP. Mm-hmm. It's based on what America makes, and that is a tangible thing. It's based on the work hours of everybody. It's not based on nothing. It's not invented out of thin air, you know? Right. Anyways, we're not going to get into the discussion. If you really want, go to Folding Ideas and their most recent video on NFTs. Uh, it'll open your eyes and make you laugh. Also, Knowledge Hub as well. Uh, Knowledge Hub has some great videos, uh, two videos on it, which are hilarious. He's always hilarious. I, I enjoy watching his videos. Yeah. But everybody is like – everybody sees this thing and they want to cash in on the trend. Like not not just YouTube, but Facebook and Twitter are also like trying to jump and, on board this thing Kickstarter somehow. And just- Here's the thing. It's too late. It's too late. If you wanted to, If you wanted to make money on this thing – you had to do it a couple of years ago and then jump out a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. You know, these are tulips. These are the South Sea Company, you know. Yeah, I saw that video talking about that. It was very well detailed. But, yeah. Uh, but here's the here's the difference. Um, tulips are pretty and you can hold them and you can plant them. And now they found that um, – <laughs> 
the uh, bored ape thing is actually maybe part of a neo-Nazi right-wing thing with a lot of right white supremacist imagery. I don't know if that's true. That's sort of like um, the uh, I remember back when um, the first Mission Impossible, the uh, POW people said that the that the um, that the uh, poster was was copying their uh, their logo. It wouldn't surprise me, but it really doesn't matter because it's based on nothing. Based on nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, what have you been playing, DJ? Are you out of uh, Are you out of um, embargo now? Yes. Last week I was playing the heck out of Windjammers too. Oh. Uh, I love that game. It's it's a straight up sequel to the 1994 arcade game from Data East, and uh, in every way, like it is very like everything that was in the first game is also in the in Windjammers too. Um, for those don't, who don't know, it's a head-to-head uh, disc-throwing <laughs> sports game that the, I think one of the funniest ways I've heard is described, but also pretty <coughs> accurate. It's like it's like air hockey meets American Gladiators. But um, but yeah. yeah by the way, people, uh, this is based on an arcade game from '94. Uh, the first one was, I mean. Mm-hmm. The first one was an arcade game from That's what I'm saying. Yeah. by by uh, by Data East and a very popular one at that, which is w- kind of what helped this one get uh get some some wings under it. Dottie yeah, Man. I play Tron Tron Deadly Discs. That's a good game too. I kind of wish they would uh, make a new version of that. Uh, you know, actually, oh wait, actually, you know what? I was about to say yeah, but you know, you have it's not like the arcade game, you know. But then I realized, oh wait a minute, it would make a perfect VR game. Yes, it would. But um, this is a this is a very like this is a very arcade game. The the art style is very good. They did a very lush, very uh, colorful art style for it. They got some new characters in there. They revamped the old ones. Uh, they also revamped all the music, the courts, and uh, added new music and stages. Um, and they added a really a really solid online mode with rollback netcode, which is great for this game because it's very fast paced. And uh, if you didn't have good netcode in it, it would suck. Um, I really enjoy the hell out of it. I was actually playing. Uh, <laughs> I was actually playing a little bit for for my work the other day, and uh, had an incredible run with one of the characters, both in arcade mode and online. Which arcade mode in this game is arcade hard, like to the point where like it's not so much that the characters are easier to beat it's that in easy mode you get two continues in normal mode you get or medium mode you get one continue in hard mode you get zero continues so uh it's a tough game to beat and uh i was really happy to have beaten the game uh pretty recently in, in medium mode which with a character that i'd never done that with before but I digress. It's a uh, it's a very high skill ceiling game in which you get all sorts of di- you have all sorts of different throws and some characters have specialty throws. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy this one. It has a lot of good things that I enjoy about fighting games, um, and I think it's going to be something that people should check out for a long time. Okay, I've been playing uh, not for broadcast. It was just released today, um, and. Um, Basically, it is uh, papers please, except you're a television producer. So, so what happens is that um, you have to you, you're in control of the cameras. You have to what's it called? You have to make sure that the commercials go in, and 
that you cut, you know, you make it, you make sensible uh, camera cuts back and forth. And then sometimes if they're cursing, you got to bleep out the swear uh, as it goes. Um, and it's definitely going in the political uh, direction. And so far, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, like I said, it's actually gotten overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, and I'm enjoying it, too. So I haven't I haven't finished a lot of the game. I'm basically I'm more or less starting out, uh, but already it's really fun. Um, and you know you have to deal with you know pe- hackers hacking into the television system, calling themselves resistance, that sort of thing. It's really worth a check out. Um, it actually uses live video, so it makes me wonder how replayable it might be. I mean, with Papers Please, you know you can randomize stuff here. I don't know if you can randomize it as well. So it's you have to and also you have to you have to see how the country is doing and how your television station is doing. And they both of them don't really um, have the same wants, you know. So it's that that moral thing that you're doing with Papers, Please, except in this case, you're doing it with. Oh, and this takes place, I believe, in not not in present time. I believe it takes place in the 90s maybe because you're using vcr tapes and that sort of stuff because you have to pop it when you pop in the commercials you're using a vhs cassette so um it's basically you running the bbc (laughs) so you should check it out um it's really entertaining so far and i can't imagine it getting worse as the game goes along nice yeah i've heard uh, i've heard the narrative in that game is pretty funny so, anyways, what have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing uh, Sukuna Rice and Ruin. I've got, gotten much farther into it now than the last time I played it. And I've discovered this game is all about farming the rice. <laughs> the battles you do are like just a side thing. It's, you don't even have to do it. You can ignore it for a long time. You're going to be farming rice. You're going to learn exactly how to farm that rice. You're going to plant it. You're gonna fertilize it, and you gotta make the fertilizer. You gotta, and you better please the, the goddess water. too. You gotta please the yeah. goddess of rice. <laughs> you are kind of the goddess of rice. Yeah, you, you pissed her off basically because you burned <laughs> her offering, and now you're gonna go and make it and, and learn how to make it and work with the humans making it. And you just you get you get this whole culture about what it is to be the rice farmer, and you're you're just it's really a very story focused uh, game around rice farming with a little bit of combat on the side you know it's it's really entertaining i'm enjoying it but it's like it did surprise me just how detailed the the farming aspect really is yeah it's also very anime as hell too yeah there's even (laughs) there's even a fighting game moment in it if i remember correctly there's actually fighting game elements uh what's it called occasionally like a mini game yeah, you you go to little areas and you'll fight uh, monsters and you'll try to get certain goals for exploration points so we can open up new areas and get access to new items. But again, you, you're going to be really focused on that farming. I mean, to really feel like a farmer because it's like, crap, I got to get back to the farm and make sure I'm pulling weeds and make sure the water level is good and make sure the fertilizer is still on there because you got to keep reapplying it every 10 hours and you have to make the fertilizer with leaves or other stuff. And, you know, it's a whole thing. When did you get this game? 
I got this uh, last year. I think okay. it was a 21, 21 game. Well, I mean, the game and, was released like almost two years ago. So. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's just like I, I only played a little bit before and then I decided to re-delve into it and, you know, just see more of it. And I just was really pleasantly surprised to just, you know, see that it's more than just um, fighting. You, you, you get a really good in-depth... Uh, farming experience and you know you'll they uh they do like a planting song at one part at one point where they've gotten more fields and they're out in the water and they're just singing a song to help them plant better and yeah this did come out in 2020 sorry not 21 it it was yeah so you know it's it's a good game um it's strange though because uh developer Idlewise um they only made one other game of note and that was Astabreed, which was a uh scrolling shooter, you know, a bullet hell shooter. Mm-hmm. So that's really what weird. And that came out way in twenty fourteen. So it's it's been interesting. I've been seeing developers uh produce different games that are very different from each other. Um, you know, like Sabotage did Messenger and now they're doing Sea of Stars and one's a platforming ninja game and the other is a role-playing JRPG style in, in the style of Chrono Trigger kind of game, so it's very, very different. Yeah, um, but I, my point is that Idolize has only made arcade, three arcade shooters, you know, and shoot 'em ups and, uh, and bullet yeah. hell games. It's like, this is a complete left turn from what they usually make. Yeah. Um, I guess it could just show their flexibility in being able to make a different kind of game. Or maybe they just wanted to stop making those kind of games and they wanted to do something they wanted to do. Um, um, and I think they're doing a good job. I mean, again, they there's a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of character development, and you know the you you just I I, I like the, the characters so far, and I want to see where this goes. Yeah, it's a very pretty game too. Um, mm-hmm. It's very pretty. Uh, it's in 3D. It has that uh, 3D anime you know style because they're a Japanese company. And oh, by the way, the publisher is Xseed, so you know what to expect from them. What's interesting is that they, this is the first time they're working with Xseed. Um, so perhaps you know, and doesn't Xseed do a lot of um, of these uh, farming sims? You know, are they the ones who are, who own? Uh, oh yeah, they own Story of Seasons. I thought they produced uh, or published some of the Trials games. I thought. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, but I know that they they do. Uh, they published two Tohu and they published Story of Seasons, which, as anybody knows, used to be Harvest Moon before because okay, they yeah. lost a license. Uh, and they did the E's. They did the E's series. They did Some the E's. They did Legend of Heroes, Cold Steel Two. Yeah, they did. They okay. did Zewi, Zewi, uh, um, uh, So yeah, they did and uh, Charles the Sky Third. And Anyways, but they also okay. did Corpse Party, but uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. But I'm just saying this is uh, this is something they do. They they have done farming sims, so maybe uh, Idlewise did it, uh, made this game, and Exeed was the only ones who wanted to publish it because you know yeah. you, you do you know Story of Seasons isn't great, so why don't we why don't we try your farming sim? Yeah, anyway. I, I, yeah, they did a good job. Anyways, um, we're going to move on. Oh, yeah, the other game I've been playing is not a, a video game. I've been playing a lot of Nemesis lately. And um, it's one of those games in which, even if you lose badly, the stories that you say afterwards, you know, 
You know, it's like you don't mind losing because you get to tell the story of how you lost. Uh, like um, my run, we were doing a pure co-op ga- uh, version of the game. You know, it's possible because there were new people. And uh, what was funny was that it ended up with the entire ship being on fire, almost the entire ship being on fire, everything malfunctioning. I had blocked the uh, uh, the spaceship to go to Earth. I was in my I was in my pod, you know, getting ready to leave. All the other people were running for the pods. And then an event popped up that said, oh, by the way, all uh, blue rooms uh, malfunction, which meant the ship exploded on the, almost the very last turn. I could just picture the movie going on. Like, you hear the movie. Dun, 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 dun. And, but in, <laughs> it's not a movie. It's just like, oh, yeah, you blew up. Sorry. <laughs> I really like the idea of that game as far as just like, no, everybody has a, a common goal, kind of. No, none. Well, here's the thing. No one. Oh, hold on. I, I know what you're like, gonna say. As... No one has a. No one has common goals. Actually, no one. Even you have the corporate goal and you have the personal goal. And you know the corporate goal sometimes says kill player three, but the personal goals sometimes conflict too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna get at. Is like I like the idea that every player. Every single player involved has a specific personal goal that may or may not include betrayal of the other players. Well, that's just it. Um, the corporate goal is usually a betrayal of some sort. Not all of them. And the personal goal is usually something more benign. But it's telling that on the personal goals you'll have that go or you're the only person to survive. Because uh, a previous game had me said, um, you want to get the ship to Earth, period, that's it. Another person had the personal goal of um, you have to destroy the entire nest of eggs and go to Earth, or if you can't do that, take the ship to Mars. So I was forced to help him with the eggs, but at some point I just made sure that the ship was locked to go to Earth, and then I got in my, my pod. And when someone gets in the pod, that's it. The, the um, location is locked. You can't go oh, anywhere nice. else. So I forced him to try and get rid of all the eggs himself with the help of other people. It was hilarious. Um, at some point, you have to choose between your corporate goal and your uh, and your personal goal. And the corporate goal, five of them are kill player one, kill player two, kill player three, kill player four. Here's the thing. They have to die, but there's nothing in it that says anybody else has to live. So if, say, I sabotage a ship, set it self-destruct, and trap everybody in the ship, then take the escape pod and and escape to Earth that way? The ship blows up, everybody dies, but I don't care so long as one particular person died. And everybody, if everybody else died, sucks to be them. <laughs> I just, I kill player two, but I also clear player one and player three and player four. <laughs> but um, the other thing is that if you do not cooperate at some level, everybody will die. Everybody will die. Yeah. So, like, to a certain extent, it's in your best interest to move along with the team until until, until it's time. It, it's until time. It suits you. But here's the other thing: um, you cannot. People say, "Well, why don't you just go up to him and shoot him?" You can't. You cannot directly kill somebody. You have to arrange things that lead to their death. When I'm a scout, I have one ability, which says if. I can make all the doors open or close in a single room, which is good if you want to trap a monster 
it's also good for trapping someone in that room, <laughs> you know, and say, okay, well, you're trapped in the room. Oh, you're trapped in the room with the monster. How nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get mad at anybody in that game. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are some players who hate the idea of being betrayed by someone who they've been helping and it's like they're powerless to stop them. But in my case, it sort of gives me, it fills me with glee, even if I'm on the receiving end of a betrayal, because it's a story and I love games that tell stories. And it's, and it's a story like I'm telling you, this is, I go to someone, I, I tell people, oh, this is what happened, you know. <laughs> Every game is different. I also have uh, all the expansions except for one, and that's the medic. Uh, I have the one expansion, which is uh, the Void Walkers, which says that none of the creatures that are attacking you are real, except for one, mo- uh, or except for the queen. And another one is the Carnomorphs, in which they just grow by eating corpses and themselves. It's their version of the thing. So, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's expensive as hell because they make these miniatures and you could, and here's the thing. I keep on saying, well, you know, they didn't have to make the miniatures. I mean, you could just, and then when you put a person next to the queen, then you realize, Oh, that's why they're miniatures. So you can show what these people, what they're up against with the queen two and a half times as tall as a player. It's like, yeah, that's what's trying to attack you now. Good luck. Yeah. I, uh, I know. I think after I do my taxes, I'm probably going to put some money aside and see if I can track down an edition of this game. Oh, there's there's copies available right now on Amazon. Uh, oh, no, I know the base but, game. Like I, but I also realize that it's more than more than a pretty pity for exactly what you just. It's 133 dollars on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a that's going to be a tax season gift to myself. The best pl- part is the uh, pl- first player marker is Jonesy in a uh, in a. In a spacesuit. Um, the game, a nemesis is basically alien. Period. End of story. You know. But, um, they can't call it because they don't have the license, but they did include a black cat in a spacesuit. That's Joan, that's, that's referring to Jonesy. And, you know, it's really depressing. Some of the people I play with have never seen alien or aliens. And that makes me really sad and old. <laughs> so they don't get, they don't get the joke with Jonesy. So, bummer. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna move on to game news. Uh, first game news, uh, and this one is really entertaining. Kodak meeting leaves staffers worried, and this comes to us from Kotaku. Uh, Bobby Kodak held an all-hands meeting on January 20th with Activision Blizzard employees to address Microsoft's acquisition of the company for 67.7 billion dollars. He stated that Microsoft will be, quote-unquote, trying to retain as many of our people as possible and that he plans to stay on as CEO of Activision Blizzard until the deal is closed. Sources suggested rank-and-file employees did not appreciate the session in which Kodak was typically unwilling to address pressing issues like the company's culture of sexual harassment. As originally reported by the Washington Post, this fireside chat took over a video conference and fielded questions which were said to be submitted by employees via email and were read by the chief people officer, uh, Kodak was late for the session, and the session itself was only 16 minutes long. An anonymous Activision Blizzard employee told Kotaku they knew of uh, other employees submitted questions about gender discrimination and the Raven QA strike, but they never got posed to Kodak. The Washington source, uh, Post source was similarly pe- pessimistic about Kodak's willingness to fix the issues at the company. He said, it likened Activision to be as important as his children, and I feel like he will never let go of it. 
With no mention of the strike, the lawsuit, or any of the continuing issues, there might as well have not been a QA at all. We could have read a press release and slept an extra 15 minutes. In the meantime, uh, on January 21st, the QA testers at Call of Duty Raven uh, developer, uh, the QA testers at Call of Duty developer Raven Software announced they had formed a union and were seeking voluntary recognition from Raven Parent Company. Today, on the 26th, Activision Blizzard did not recognize the union, meaning the union is going to file for an election with National Labor Relations Board. Um, uh, so here's the thing about the purchase of uh, Blizzard. Like I said last week, it's all straight cash. So Microsoft is paying for $90 of the shares. So if you're wondering where Bobby Kotick's golden parachute is, is that his shares are being bought, which would give him, I believe... Oh, I think it's $390 million from straight up purchasing his shares. So the thing is that um, there's also questions if the deal is going to go through, but um, there's pretty, plenty of evidence that it's going to go through for several reasons, which we're going to get into this podcast. Uh, but, you know, it's – I'm sure, you know, the uh, the employees at, at Activision Blizzard are probably – Marking September 23rd, 2023 on their calendars as the last day they have to deal with Bobby Kotick. Uh, there's also the new development that uh, as of, I do believe, yes, today, and as of a uh, deadline yesterday, uh, Raven QA is officially uh, union uh, filing union. Yeah, elections. I just said that. <laughs> I just said that. Oh. <laughs> I did. Today, January 26th. Activision Blizzard did not recognize the union, meaning the union is going to file for the election with the National Labor Relations Board. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. So, th- that's going to be, like, I-, I don't understand what, and, and the, the fact of the matter is, right before this, right before the Raven QA, uh, basically, they didn't get their answer, which means they're going to file for the election, uh, Activision tried to do like something so transparently skeezy. They tried to uh, they tried to do this thing where they're like, "We're going to uh, we're going to make uh, Raven QA employees full time employees by integrating them into separate departments." And, makes no sense. Well, it it makes perfect perfect sense if you're trying to bust a union because what's easier than dealing with a whole bunch of angry people in the same room at the same time? dealing with them separately across multiple different rooms where they can't talk to each other as much. <laughs> um, and that's what everybody saw it for. And so then there was... Before we move on, should we, we should we say what QA testers are? First, uh, for those who don't know, QA, te- uh, QA means quality assurance. Um, their job is to play this thing over and over and over and over again and check the programming. And if you thought developing was grungy, crunchy work... QA testing is even worse. I've heard a lot of stories of, uh, of of QA testers coming up with like a list full of bugs and handing it to like the devs, and then basically it, none of it gets implemented. I could never be a QA tester because you know what being a QA tester will do? It'll ruin you for that game. Mm-hmm. It'll ruin you for that game. Yes, because their job is literally like a QA tester's job is to literally find any feasible way in which a game can be broken or messed up and report it. And they have to play it over and over and over again. So imagine having to play the same game over and over and over like some Sisyphus. You know, um, 
there are some things that I, I actually I was a beta tester for a long, but I was an external beta tester. So those are don't exist anymore. If you ever look at um, Jagged Alliance 2 or The Incredible Machine 2 and stuff like that, you'll see my name in the credits because I was an external beta tester. Nice. I have to imagine among the most thankless QA positions in the world, like being a QA tester for a 3D Sonic game has to be hell. <laughs> well, playing a Sonic game is hell most of the time, so... I- <laughs> Yeah, you ever watch the Game Grumps here until he's uh, losing his mind on playing a Sonic game. And it's absolutely not that they don't do QA in those games. They absolutely do. It's that the deadlines were so tight for their launches that even the QA that they did do got mostly passed over in order to ship the game. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, it sucks. Um, why don't we move to something a little more happy? Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Blizzard is making a survival game. This is from PC Gamer. Blizzard Entertainment is doing something new. The studio revealed today that it's working on a brand new survival game set in a whole new universe and is looking for help to make it happen. We are going on a journey to a whole new universe, home to a brand new survival game for PC and console, the studio said. A full, a place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived. A vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored. The job listings cover art, engineering, the design roles, and the individual job listings reveal a little more about what it's in store. It's a new AAA survival game and not a spin-off of an existing Blizzard game, but a new IP for PC console, set in a different world from any other Blizzard has created. A new Blizzard game is big news. It's been building on the past glories for years, but what makes this particularly interesting is the timing, which comes just one week after Microsoft announced its intention to purchase Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. The deal does not close for more than a year, but there's no ignoring the fact that at some point the Microsoft formally take the lead in decision-making process. Now, I have a quick question. The money has already transferred, right? No, no. But here, no. Um, but here's the thing. Um, they're still, they're still going to act as if it did, because. Right. It, and if you want any other evidence that Microsoft is fully confident this is going to go through, this is it. Because um, Game Pass requires diversity. And also, uh, one of the reasons that Microsoft bought ZeniMax, and this may surprise you, was for Fallout 76. Because what? Because it is another uh, live service game. You know, and people who get into that live service game will remain in that ecosystem, and they will pay the 15 bucks a month, or Ten bucks a month, depending on which which Game Pass you buy, and, and also all the microtransactions that go with it. It doesn't even have to have microtransactions because the Game Pass is the microtransaction. They, they I, have. If there's, I know if there's, but here's uh, the thing: if there is microtransactions, you know, it's not going to be as a hard, as much of a hard sell as in other companies, which are trying to really wring out the money from you. Um, and let, ignoring all that. I would love to see what Blizzard does with a game like Rust. You know? DJ? Yeah. I, uh... 
I have some serious que- I have some serious questions about this survival game. First off, it's very convenient that they announced this now. You know what? You know what Microsoft said? They went up to Blizzard and say, "I know you're sick of doing World of Warcraft all the time, and I know you're tired of getting criticized over over you know you know Diablo and all that stuff. Make something new for us." <laughs> I I feel a different way about it. I Microsoft think- is all over this. Let's not pretend any otherwise. Microsoft is behind this 100%. I'm not really concerned about Microsoft. I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's it, that that's what it. What I'm saying is that this happened. This announcement of this survival game happened at the exact same time as uh, Activision Blizzard announced the uh, the decision to break the Raven QA team up into different departments. And this announcement of this survival game, to me, reads very much like, hey, look over here, look at my hand, look, uh, at, look at all the shinies and glitters in my hand over this, here where, this I'm, was where going, I'm pointing you. This was going to be announced no matter what. It had this, this has very little to do with the labor thing, because what Microsoft wants, no... Microsoft wants to announce this now to get people excited over the merger. They're, they're striking now. They're, they're, they want people to get excited about it. This is Microsoft pumping this. This is because let, let's let's. This was never going to happen without this merger. Period. End of story. The the labor thing was always going to happen. This was this is something that Microsoft is 100% behind. They want to get people excited for this because people know this is going to be on Game Pass. You know, they want people to start buying in immediately. But this is Blizzard still. This is not Microsoft yet. No, but no. <laughs> it's funny how certain things were announced before Microsoft formally purchased uh, ZeniMax, isn't it? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that like it this coincided with the exact time. Yeah, I know. I you have your you have your your tin hat up there. <laughs> but uh, like, is it so tin hat? It really does feel like a look over here, look at my shiny hand thing. I think and, this has more to do with Microsoft than it does has to do with Activision Blizzard and Bobby Kotick. And I mean, like, the biggest thing behind, that makes me think that is that this is like, it's they announced that they're doing an unannounced, unnamed, super early development game. And they um, still have Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 in the pipeline. So I'm sure that this will come out along. Really? Because, uh, remember, Oblivion is... Well, they're still working on Grounded. So this isn't something new. I mean, Microsoft already has Grounded. They have Fallout 76. They want another one. They have Minecraft, for crying out loud. (laughs) I'm just saying that at the time it was announced, it sure did seem like Blizzard was like, hey, check out our new vaporware that will probably come out someday, along with Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4. I'm pretty sure they took advantage of it of it to try and deflect some attention, but that was not why this was announced. Now it's announced because Microsoft says we want you to buy game pass. Check this shit out. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's a smart. The timing. It's, here's the thing. I don't disagree that, uh, see uh, the, what's called some of the higher ups on Activision Blizzard are going to pimp this to try and deflect attention, but it was going to be announced like this no matter what. That's just it. Like I said, the second that all of this is starting up, and we're going to talk about more news with Phil Spencer saying some interesting things, which I which I know just tickle uh, a lot of it will be tickling uh, Scott Pink because it's right up his alley. 
Um, but here's the thing is that, um, they're trying to generate, and not only that, um, a news like this, you know what that also does to Activision Blizzard stock? Goes up. So, let's go from Activision to Electronic Arts. Go ahead, TJ. Alrighty. EA is making three new Star Wars games from Electric, from Electronic Arts. Respawn Entertainment, best known for their work on Apex Legends, Titanfall, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is leading the development and production of these new projects. Vince Sampella, group GM and founder of Respawn, will oversee this new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm. May I interrupt for a second? How happy do you think Vince Sampella is to have fled <laughs> Activision for EA? EA is no saint when it comes to, the you know, with, with harassment, but right now... Uh, he can always say, well, I'm not working for Bobby Kotick right now. <laughs> yeah, and Response had no lack of success under EA either. Like, also, basically, yeah. And Zampella's also not working for John Richitello anymore either. So, Yeah. E- right now, Respawn is EA's darling baby that can do no wrong. <laughs> but, um... What? Bioware is crying right now. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Actually, that's all. That's all EA's fault because they forced that stupid Frostbite engine on Mass Effect and uh, and Dragon Age. Yeah, we but, have to make uh, we have to make Ma- Mass Effect an open world because it's like everything else that's being. We want to make it another uh, uh, anthem. Meanwhile. EA trusts Vince Sampilla so much that when they released the broken Battlefield 2042, they're like, can you fix this, please? <laughs> and um, Vince Sampilla was the one who had them release a single-player Star Wars game. Ooh. Yep. yep. Uh, and, yeah, okay, moving forward. Uh, game director Stig Asmussen and his team at the studio are already working on the next game in the action-adventure Star Wars Jedi series, and are joined by two new teams working to deliver additional unique Star Wars gameplay experiences across multiple genres. Leading the development of Respawn's all-new Star Wars first-person shooter game is Peter Hirschman, game director at Respawn, who has a long and accomplished history with the Star Wars franchise. The third title is a Star Wars strategy game, developed through a production collaboration with the newly formed studio Bit Reactor, helmed by games industry veteran Greg Forch. Uh, Respawn will produce the new Star Wars strategy game, while Bit Reactor leads on the development of the title. Um, BT Dubs, Bit Reactor is formed of a lot of, uh, of veterans that worked on XCOM and a bunch of Sid Meier games. What makes me wonder is, is this going to be like Galactic Battlegrounds, which is basically a, a uh, you know, Age of Empires clone? Or is it going to be that other game? Oh, God, I can't forget it. It was a, it was a uh, 4X Galactic strategy game. Do you remember this? Mm. It was a grand strategy game, and C-3PO was there, and I could not stand that game because they couldn't move... Um, I think, what was it called Galaxy again? Something, Galaxy. Galaxy at War? Empire at War. No, that was the no, that was um, no, it was uh, Star Star Wars Rebellion. Yes, Star Wars. That, that was uh, that yeah, four X one. I wanted uh, to like that game, but I just couldn't get into it. Empire at War was more like Red Alert. Yeah, I was. I was. That's what I was saying. It was an Age of Empires. You know, it was an RTS. You know, so I wonder if it's going to be like that or if it's going to be like Rebellion. I'm hoping for something like Rebellion, although I know that there's very little chance of that. 
Given their pedigree, I'm expecting something more XCOM-ish, which... It's true. Um, you know what would be really fun? Is an XCOM-style game focused on the clones. <laughs> yes, every single guy you own is the same. <laughs> They're all <Right>. Django Fett. <laughs> They're, they are all Django Fett, but they specialize in different things. Do they? Yeah, they had like teams that were specialized in heavy heavy uh, armaments, teams that were specialized in assassination. They they had different. Yeah, but the problem is that they all wear the same stupid outfit. I mean, some of them put a stripe or two on it. <laughs> Look at Star Wars: The Old Republic. That's that. Here's I gotta get back into that because here's the thing: I really enjoy that game. I really enjoyed it. I was an Imperial agent, and I, it was just fun. I mean, if I was going to have an XCOM game and it was Star Wars, I would still want a Jedi of some kind that could just run around the map slashing people to ribbons. Nah, that's boring. <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, you got to have at least one lightsaber somewhere in there that you can get your hands on. Anyways, um, so yeah, um, first things first, um, Fallen Order 2. Uh, I never got it, I never quite completed the first game. But I know you guys played it. Are you looking forward to a second uh, game, which is... I wouldn't say it's a Dark Souls game. It's more of a Shen... Uh, not, oh, God. I, I, You know the game I'm talking about? The ninja... The ninja thing that preceded uh, Tenchu. It was more of a Tenchu game. Uh, Sekiro? No. Fallen Order. No, I was saying Sekiro. Oh. It sounded like you were describing Sekiro. No, no, no. It was. I was thinking about Tenchu. But I guess you could also think of Sekiro as well. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of similarity between Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot here to dig into. And, like, yes, I, I do think that uh, Star Wars Jedi deserves a se- sequel because it was it was a great game and a lot of people loved it. Um, First-person shooter, I wonder if they're going to... You know what I would like to see them reboot the original Dark Forces? That would be delightful. I still have the box. Also, like, is this where that every once in a while, like every maybe half a year or so, somebody digs up more stuff from that one uh, Star Wars bounty hunter game that never came out? Oh, yeah. Star Wars 1313. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if uh, I wonder if they're going to do anything with that or if it's ever going to come up again during this whole thing. You never know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Disney Plus, you know, they're doing uh, the Mandalorian. They have Boba Fett coming in, so this might be the right time for for a corporate tie-in, you know, synergy and and recycle that game, and this time call it Star Wars Mandalorian. Yeah. Um. The other thing that's worth noting is that uh, EA reportedly said that after it does these three games it's going to stop working on Star Wars games for a while and focus on in-house IP. Well, that's because the uh, the IP is going to be up for, for grabs in a, in a year or so, if I remember correctly. Right. So all I'm saying is that, like, whatever EA is doing, these three games, once they're done, that's it. That's, there's not going to be, like, they're not going to do Battle... It sounds like they're not going to do Battlefront. Three you, with dice for the foreseeable future. Could you imagine if a Microsoft-owned Activision decided to start doing Star Wars games? Um, <laughs> that would be that would that would set that would set PlayStation fans' heads on fire. 
I wouldn't mind Machine Games doing a Star Wars shooter. Machine Games, the guys behind uh, the new Wolfenstein games, they would be well equipped to do something like a Dark like a Dark, uh, Dark Forces remake. Oh no! What about Arcane Studios? Arcane would also be dope as hell. Um, but like straight up like adrenaline pushed like laser battles, I would I would want to use I want I want Machine Games on that. Speaking of Star Wars, did you see the new trailer for the Skywalker Saga uh, from Telltale? I'm not Telltale. Not Telltale. Tall tale. Ta- no. Yeah, Tall. No, Traveler's Tales. Traveler's Tales, yeah. Yeah, the Lego uh, Star uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, like, uh, the Lego uh, Star- Skywalker Saga. Mm-hmm. They actually have a button that allows you to switch between speech and jabber. Uh, jabber. Nice. And people are real. If you see the comments, people are really excited over this, over that, over that game, because it's gonna yeah. have all nine episodes. And no matter how bad the, uh, no matter how bad the movies are, the Lego franchise at least makes them entertaining. And also, you get to visit planets that are not in the films too. Yeah, it's really interesting. That bit reactor crew doing the, the strategy game is really interesting. I, uh, I like the fact that there, we now have two main, uh, crews that are very well versed in XCOM style games. Like, and for is doing that, uh, that weird Marvel, uh, midnight suns game. By the way, um, we should mention that, uh, Greg Forch, who is the person who in charge of bit reactor, was the art director at Firaxis, which is probably where you're getting the XCOM thing from. Yes. Yes, and he's joined by a lot of other people that have worked on different, like, Firaxis and, and Sid Meier stuff. Hey, you know um, what? I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed Gears Tactics, and that's, uh, you know, XCOM Gears. So I'm, I'm glad that the Tactics kind, you know, the XCOM ta- slash Tactics games are starting to go into vogue now. Yeah. It's just a, it's a pretty good setup for, like, just... Not only like having that tactical strategy, but also telling a story. It's, I don't want to say it's, I don't want to say it's close to like Final Fan, like an evolution of Final Fantasy tactics, but it is also kind of like that, where like you can, like Wasteland 3 is a perfect example. Wasteland 3 uses an XCOM style combat, I would say too. Yeah. but it's so rich and like the universe is so full of things going on. It's, it's really, you get that tactical play, but you also get a good narrative going on at the same time. And I enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, Fallout. I mean, wasteland threes combat is good, but it's not great. There are a lot of issues I have with it. I guess it's because I'm spoiled by XCOM because with XCOM, you can, you don't have, you know, you can, you can set up first and not have to worry about, you know, when the, they retaliate too quickly. Let me put it that way. You can have your guys just set in, you know, in danger the minute that combat starts because you didn't, you didn't creep up well enough. There is a way around that. I'm sure there's a way around it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically you have to start combat first and then. Uh, yes, and but then- that's the problem. Even if you start combat first, you may have one or two guys who are, you know, exposed. Oh, you have to like. It's it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. And we're not going to get into it, and that's the problem. It's complicated. <laughs> it is over overly complicated in that regard. I agree. But, well, uh, anyways, um, just don't play on iron mode. 
<laughs> Iron Man mode. Um, we're going to move on to the next item. Unless, Scott, did you have something to say? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Crisis 4 announced. This comes from some PC Gamer. Crytek has announced that Crisis 4 is coming in a, f- a few hours after its existence was leaked on a Chinese social media site. A short teaser trailer dropped showing the uh, classic Crisis nanotechnology in all its shiny grayscale glory before ending with the number four and the message, Join the journey. Become the hero. As spotted by Eurogamer, an image appeared on Chinese social media, social media site Billy Billy, which also appeared to be a reveal for Crytek 4. The post from Crytek China read, The Crisis 4 project is confirmed, opening a new nano battlefield. It appears that for now, Crisis 4 is just a working title. The YouTube thumbnail calls it the fourth installment in the Crisis franchise. Former Crytek CEO said all the way back in 2012 that the next Crisis game won't be called Crisis 4. There hasn't been a mainline Crisis game since Crisis 3 in 2012, although the trilogy has seen remasters over the last couple of years. And I'm going to say this right now. It's not a Crisis game unless it's two generations beyond high-end systems. Well, people say, uh, well, can Crisis 4 run it now? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I saw one entertaining uh, post by someone who, who did the minimum system requirements. CPU, AMD Threadripper 10900X or Intel equivalent. GPU, AMD Radeon 9990XTX or NVIDIA GeForce uh, 4K. Oh my fucking God, what the fuck, barbecue edition. <laughs> RAM 512 gigabytes. Storage is two terabytes. <laughs> DJ? <laughs> yeah. This... This game is years off. This feels years off. Well, the technology will be decades off. Mm-hmm. It's... Because, like, you can't just make a crisis game. It's got to be, like, the best of the best of the best. Like, ray tracing out the butt light light bending science technology that makes use of of a of a nvidia rtx 3090 clocked at the fullest here's the thing though um the crytek engine is in direct competition with the unreal engine and we all know that the unreal engine 5 and unreal 5 engine is coming as a matter of fact i think some games already have it so i wonder is this their way of rolling out their new crytek engine <coughs> I mean, why not? When's the last time they rolled out a, cry- a new, uh, an all-new Crytek engine? Yeah, and you know, pe- uh, people have started looking at the Crytek engine as a label that this game is going to suck now. You know, there's so many bad games that are using the Crytek engine. It's sort of like it has a it has a worse reputation than the Unity engine, and the Unity engine is pretty good. So. Did Crytek does Crytek have any association with Star Citizen? I don't think so. I've been hearing people saying making a comparison that like they're they've run out of money for Star Citizen, so they're making Christ let me make sure I got this right. Uh no, it's being used by by a proprietary um engine called the Star Engine. Um originally it was a refactored version of CryEngine 3. But it's beyond that now. It's not not the CryEngine three anymore. Ah, okay. The uh, the developers at Star Citizen basically moved on from it, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
In any uh, case, uh, you know, speaking of Star Citizen, I keep on seeing more and more videos about all these ships that are that are being tested out and all that stuff, and it's like saying, you know, I'm really interested in this. I am not going to quote unquote back it or pre-order it. But if this is half what it's promising to be, I will be playing the shit out of it. I, I yeah, it has to be released first. But I'm just saying when it's when the final release code is released, I'll be uh, I'd probably be playing it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like when <laughs> as far they just released the the Crisis Remastered trilogy too, which. By all accounts, was an impressive release of those games. Um, a lot yeah. of like they they did kind of a shoddy remaster of uh, I think Crisis One at first, but I understand that they they fixed it up when they did the whole trilogy. Here's the thing, you know, the game pe- that series peaked at number one. Really, I mean, the entire I, I, there is no better moment in the entire series. And a lot of people say in video gaming too, when you have to face up against that tank. And it's just you versus tank. That's it. Yeah. It's. I haven't had a chance to play any of the Crisis games. Okay, when you play Crisis 1, just remember the tank. (laughs) (laughs) A regular old tank with treads and all that stuff. The other thing I liked about it was the AI and, you know. It had a better AI than I think than Far Cry. But I don't know. You know, here's the thing: Crisis hasn't quite been tainted like Far Cry has been. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of Far Cry. I wish it would go away already. Done. Yeah. But like, this is super early in development too. They don't. They uh, they didn't even officially call it Crisis Four in the press release, even though they have a big old honking four on the teaser. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be called Crisis Four. It's going to be called Crisis Colon Something Something Something. Why put Why put a big stankin' ass four on your teaser trailer then? Uh, because <laughs> um, they put a they've put a, a a three in the thief uh, a deadly deadly shadows uh, trailer as well. Anyways, uh, let's move on. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. The next one is Phil Spencer name drops classic IPs owned by Activision Blizzard. This is from PC Gamer. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard led to immediate questions about its biggest games. In an interview with Washington Post, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer touched all of Activision's older stuff. I was looking at the IP list. I mean, let's go, Spencer said. King's Quest, Guitar Hero, I should know this, but I think they got Hexen. Hexen, which was developed by Raven Software back in the early 90s, was purchased by Activision in 1997. Activision holds the Sierra brand, which gives it everything from King's Quest to SWAT, and arguably an arguably finger in the Neo No One Lives Forever pie, as well as Star Control, Crash Bandicoot Toys for Bob, prototype developer Radical Entertainment. Blizzard has a more formidable backlog a back catalog of all, 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 yeah, sorry. Blizzard has a formidable back catalog on all its own. Microsoft, uh, bought back uh, Age of Empires, so maybe it'll do the same for StarCraft. It's been a while since there's been a proper new Warcraft game, too. 
Spencer told the, uh, the Wall Street Journal that Microsoft intends to talk to its new studios about working on games that have been languishing in Activision's archives. Developers like Toys for Bob and Raven have been relegated to Call of Duty support studios. Yeah, I'm very interested in all of the Sierra titles, King's Quest, Quest for Glory, uh, Con- Conquest games. I wonder if they'll even look at The Impossible Machine 2, which I which I said before I, I external beta tested. Because that also was a Sierra game. Yeah, The Impossible, The, the, the Incredible Machine. Uh, oh, right, The Incredible really Machine. Fun, it was a very fun series. Uh, I also like Dr. Brain, but apparently that was sold off years ago, along with Lee Suit Larry. Um, so those are the only two titles they don't actually have. But I, I'm still excited that he even mentioned King's Quest. So it's like giving me a little bit, me and other Sierra uh, lovers, uh, a little bit of hope that maybe they'll bring these franchises back, uh, and maybe even talk to the original developers, you know, and yeah. who knows. The King's Quest reboot was subpar. I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I was fine with it because I know it was different. It was a, it was like a reboot, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, they had some really good voice acting and the animation was fine. And, you know, it still felt like a King's Quest game, but it just wasn't, it didn't have that brutal, you could die at any second, you know, quite, quite as much as it did in the original games. Uh, it had an auto save so you could always go right back. Uh, so it wasn't as brutal. You know, I'm wondering about Prototype. There's a there's an IP that had a lot of promise, and I don't know, it just died on the vine. And it's not like Hot Prototype take. 2 did did anything bad. What? Hot take. Prototype is maybe one of the best superhero games ever made. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous what you could do with, like, the powers in that game and just, like, how you can not only abuse them, but uh, just, like, the things that you can do. But imagine if Microsoft goes up to Radical Entertainment and says, okay, fix Crackdown. That would be pretty dope. Um, I would trust Radical with that. I actually had never played the the Incredible Machine, but I did play the Incredible Tune Machine, which is, I guess, <laughs> a, a sequel to that. Yeah, it's a spinoff. I, uh, I loved that game. That was a. I was trying to remember where I'd heard of that before, and yeah, looking at this, it brought back so many memories of our first ever uh, computer, our so, first ever home computer. Yeah. So getting back to what I was talking about before, um, again, Microsoft Game Pass, you know, diversity. They want all sorts of games. They have to have from casual to hardcore, every single genre, and you know what? I know a lot of people who are really, really begging for a new Hexen game. They have been... I I, I played it a lot. It's a 1997? 1998 game? And I just hear all these people, when they heard about the sale for uh, to Action Action Blizzard to Microsoft, they said, we want Hexen, we want Hexen, we want Hexen. Uh, maybe they just... Maybe they just liked having sheep being t- uh, catapulted. Well, I mean, it was a first-person shooter with fantasy style. You had... Like a staff that would shoot out green light, laser lights, yeah. and it was just fun. But uh, again, you could catapult. You could you could put sheep in catapults. <laughs> That's all I remember. Then put yourself in the catapult. Yeah, that was a really dope take on like the sort of doom, the doom first person sort of grim dark 
fantasy stuff that was going on at the time. I don't know. I liked Blood a little bit better. <laughs> I uh, have an a go-to meme that I post sometimes before I go to bed that is basically my my final thoughts before closing out a night. And it is a picture of Roger Wilco uh, <laughs> lay, laying yeah. in the dark, staring off into space. Uh, How, uh, yeah, Space Quest is a is is an IP I, that has been mined yet either. Yes, if they if they announced a reboot, uh, if listen, I've been thinking about this a lot since I heard about the the uh, deal. Here's what I want: my fantasy. I want, I want Microsoft. To go to Ron Gilbert with a duffel bag full of money, get him together with uh, get him together with Double Fine, and make a reboot to uh, to Space Quest. And the, <laughs> you know, uh, two guys from Andromeda. You know what? There's another game that used to be owned by Sierra, and I don't know if they I don't think they own the license anymore. But imagine if they made another. Uh, uh, they hired Al Lowe and told him, "Okay, do a new Leisure Suit Larry for, uh, game for for Microsoft this time." Leisure Suit Larry is owned by somebody else now. Yeah, the, yeah. the folk the folks that uh did Wet Dreams Dry twice. Yeah, they they've been making new Larry games uh, just without Al Lowe. Who um, are the guys from Andromeda, Scott? Who are you? Uh, Mark Crow and. Uh, By the way, did you know that um, Leisure Suit Larry is officially in the <laughs> the game itself is officially in the uh, in the Roger in the uh, Space Quest uh, series in Space Quest oh, Four. Yeah, Space Quest Four, yeah. Leisure Suit Larry Four was labeled as the cause of a supercomputer super virus that crippled his planet. <laughs> yeah, Sierra Sierra did that a lot. They would have little Easter eggs for their other uh, games. Like there was a death scene in Space Quest One where you crash into the Camelot Castle. Um, or, or yeah, the Cam- not Camelot Castle, the the castle in um, Robin Hood, whatever that castle is called. You crash land into it. There's others where you look behind the door, and there's like, uh, you know, development of this future game that they're, you know, the that the next Leisure Larry or the next yeah. Space Quest or whatever. By the way, just so you know, Leisure Larry Four does not exist. <laughs> right. It was it was it's a never released game. Larry Four. <laughs> it was called Leisure Larry for the Missing Floppies, but it was never a real game. It was an April Fool's uh, prank. Yeah, he just he just wanted to do something funny and just go. Well, we're gonna go to five. There's no four. <laughs> so it uh, would be cool if they got Mark Crow back for for uh, Space Quest. I just don't know if that's like I don't know if that's as feasible. I don't know I, either. I was just thinking of the resources they have at hand, and I would love to see Ron Gilbert and. Uh, and Double Fine do a do a take on a Space Quest. It was Mark Kroll and Scott Murphy, just so you know. Right. They were the two guys. The two guys from Andromeda. They would probably have to reboot it, from what I've been told. That because uh, Space Quest Five and Six kind of went in the opposite direction. Four set up a plot line, and Five sort of carried it along. But then Six came along and went into a totally different direction. That was because the two guys, I guess, split a bit, and one did five and the other did six, and they didn't know that that was happening, uh, and that caused some uh, rifts there. So now we have kind of a conflict in the story of, like, if you did the next one, what, what, you know, how are you going to resolve this? Speaking uh, of being owned by Activision and adventure games, 
I think a lot of people don't remember that Activision also owns Infocom. Hmm. And that means Zork. <laughs> that means Hitchhiker's oh. Guide. That means Leather Goddesses of Phobos. That means A Mind Forever Voyaging. That means uh, Planet Fall and Deadline. So there's a lot of uh, possible games for them to bring back, you know. Yeah, and I miss text adventures. Although some, of, a lot of the uh, latter Infocom games were no, were not text adventures, you know. But I I would be floored if they released uh, start developing a text adventure. I'd be like, really? You know what? Gonna- Actually, you know, I, well, here's the thing. I can easily see them putting the entire Infocom library on um on Game Pass because I remember buying the comedy Infocom games for five dollars, even maybe less than that. Um, Nord couldn't make head nor tail of it is one of the hardest games you'll ever play. Yeah, there, there are so many possibilities. Like, oh, I, my biggest concern is I hope that they go in and clean up shop. I hope that Microsoft is willing to go (laughs) through and and do what it takes to make sure that. Uh, Here's a question for you. Is, is Marcus Notch person involved with Mojang anymore? That, no. that, like, that, gives me, <laughs> that gives me faith. That gives me hope that well, they will do it right. Yeah, he he was selling out and leaving, so that was you know no doubt. Let me put it this way: um, uh, when 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 um, Tim Schafer was talking about a Psychonauts two, uh, Notch offered twelve million dollars, and and he said no. Uh, later, he does a kick, uh, not a Kickstarter, but a, you know, a crowdfunding. I need he, he only asked for two million dollars. So you can tell how much that that uh, um, Tim Schafer wanted nothing to do with Marcus Person at all. So uh, then he found out he needed more money, and boom, Microsoft won. <laughs> Microsoft's very good at swooping in on people on on people who are in the water and bleeding. It's like, okay, they're in trouble. Let's let's buy them out. Hey. Hey Brian Fargo, you're you're working on on work on, on Wasteland too, huh? And you need money, right? Oh well, guess what? Here's some money, and we'll buy an exile. You just have to make games for us. Yeah, I don't know what in exile is doing right now. I wish they would they uh, they haven't they, they're making something. They're not talking about it. <laughs> I know Obsidian Brian, is. Brian Fargo is being very is being very cagey about what he's working on next. So I expect something completely different than Wasteland. Probably. Uh, you're right. I I thought I'd heard about what he was working on at some point, but I guess I didn't. Yeah. Well, we all know that Obsidian is working on several games at once. They're working on The Outer Wilds 2. They're working on Avowed. They're working on... They're still working on Grounded. And, oh, by the way, I checked in on Grounded. It has improved leaps, uh, leaps and bounds. It's, like, just exploding. There's so many new things that are in it. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not it's not release uh it's not released yet officially. It's still in it's still in early access. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you something. There are people who are hardcore grounded. They're working on stuff you wouldn't believe. I can believe it. That I mean, that game is super allows for a lot of creativity in addition to just like the adventure of it. Yeah. Plus, they have uh, they have listened to the community very closely. Uh, the folks that 
the folks that are working on it have their ear to the ground when it comes to what the community wants out of them and what they want them where they want them to go with it. So I think it's it's been a cool balance of like both doing their own thing and and following the plans that they have and listening and and hearing what the community wants out of this thing because this is a this is a game that grounded is the type of game that lives and dies on the community that's playing it. Yeah, when when they introduce a cat, that'll be when I'm I have to think about playing it. <laughs> You think spiders are scary? Just imagine a cat, which will be the size of a brontosaurus. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I want the eventually I want uh, animal husbandry with bugs to figure out how to turn uh, insects into my into my war steeds. Oh, this is interesting. So I'm looking at their um, their planning. Um, they're going to be introducing ladybugs and termites and beetles. Didn't already have ladybugs? Nope. A ladybug larva, a ladybird, green shield bug. Um, I mean, they also mentioned dust mites. I could have sworn they had dust mites in it. I know they have mites, period. Um, yes. And planned communities, uh, community suggestions. An infected wolf spider. Why? Why would you suggest that? Why in the world would you suggest an infected wolf spider? <laughs> Some people aren't afraid of spiders. Some people are masochists. <laughs> I like seeing them out of like a sort of grim curiosity. Yeah, they're going to be um, introducing ant pheromone control and an ant queen. You know what's you know what's like dealable is a spider. Oh dear, they are including birds. You, you, you know what's dealable is a spider. You know what's not dealable? A spider that swims faster than you. <laughs> that is where I'm, like, not okay. Because, like, they intru- they introduced a pond in the game, right? And in that pond are diving bell spiders that are capable of swimming very fast. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that the um, they're only – they're still working on Act 1 of the story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know when this thing is going to be released. Maybe in two years officially. But, like I said, it's it's different than your typical survival game. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's a lot more... Um, I don't know. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a lot more relatable than, than other you know, survival games like Rust or The Long Dark. You know? Where you still have danger, but... You know what a blade of grass is. You know, you know what spiders are. You know what ants are, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're talking about it. We're talking about grounded way too much right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, there was also something else. They were saying that they were hinting around that Call of Duty would remain multi-platform, which I don't believe for a second because of the wording that he gave. He said, we want it to be multi-platform. And what that tells me is he's saying, well, I'll tell you what, it'll be multi-platform once you put Xbox Game Pass on PlayStation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it will. I mean, it's going to be until 2023 that this deal finally closes. But once it does, 
And that's provided that, like, things like the FTC and other antitrust... Uh, well, it's not just the United States, by the way. This is... this is, uh, There's multiple countries that are in on this, so... Yeah. So... Did they it, put in clauses that they would have to ensure that the games that they have do go to multi-platforms? Well, they do. I mean, every single Microsoft game... No. No, they don't. Uh, but here's the thing, is that they're already going multi-platform because they release their games on Steam, which is a competing right. uh, store to the Windows 10. So these games are not inaccessible. You can get them from a competitor, which is Steam. And mm-hmm. Steam is saying, yes, please, because every time you buy something from Steam, they get a cut, and they're getting a cut from from Halo sales and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, a lot of people, I don't know why, don't like the Windows 10 um, interface. I don't mind it at all. Uh, but I can't, you know, here's the thing. I know a lot of people like having just one storefront. And hey, you know, if you want all your games on Steam, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see, uh, speaking of which... There's a lot of people upset that uh, Hitman 3 is finally on on Steam, but it's it's selling for its normal sixty dollars. Yeah, they they have confined all of the deals that have to go with that game to Epic Game Store, which is an odd choice. I uh I feel bad. Like I mean, Hitman on one side, Hitman 2 and Hitman 1 are on Steam, so you don't have to like buy the trilogy if you want to get them all together. You can just buy three now. But that's also kind of a bite that you can't get the same deals that are on Epic Game Store. But you know, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is the Hitman trilogy just hit Game Pass too, so that's mm-hmm. like another slap in the face to people on Steam. Yeah, I uh, I'm still excited. Like they finally started talking about the content that's going to be in Hitman uh, Three this year. And a lot of it looks really good. I, uh, I'm happy that I already have the game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, because there's gonna, there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm really excited to play this year. Okay. So let's wrap this up, uh, with one question. And the question is, um, which older IP do you most want to see resurrected after the deal is, goes through? I already can guess what Scott is going to say. Although, you know, after 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 discussing Space Quest, maybe that's what he wants. Well, I mean, that is a tough decision. King's Quest or like How about just saying Quest? Just say Quest. <laughs> the Quest the series. Quest series, yeah. Anything Quest. Because that includes Police Quest. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, anything Quest would be awesome. Uh, Quest for Glory. I feel like Quest for Glory actually had a good ending, you know, with five. I, I feel like we had a good end where we could say, okay, that's that's it, that can stop. We can, you know, feel satisfied with that ending. Well, here's a question for you: What if Microsoft decided to do a full remaster of the King Quest series? You know, do King's Quest, but do it with today's graphic capabilities and right. sound capabilities. I mean, it'd be interesting because we have some different uh, art styles with these graphic capabilities with these games, and I mean. There could be photorealistic. There could be that 2.5 uh, 3D HD thing that they have. I which think is, you know what? I I'm, think 
Um, I think, you know, it'd be good is if they did the cell shaded thing, you know, like they do with the anime games. I think that's what they did with the uh, initial reboot. I think that was cell shaded and it was very good. You know, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, the, the, the voice acting was good. The art was good. And, you know, I, I didn't have any problem with it. You know, it'd be funny is if they went to the brothers chap and, and had them do uh, peasant quest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's like quest for glory. I was pretty happy. I wouldn't mind if they did like a whole remake of them anyways. Um, but I mean, from the ground up, I mean, yeah. not remastering. So, you know, like they did with, remake, uh, right. not like what they did with, um, the LucasArts games, you know, like, uh, uh, like Grim Fandango. I mean, just straight from the top up, like they, like Vicarious Divisions did with Tony Hawk 1 plus 2. Anyways, uh, how about you, uh, TJ? Space Quest, all the way. I would love to see more Space Quest. I love that series, and I would love to play more of it. Um, but yeah, but but Scott already claimed that. He already claimed the Quest series, so you have to pick something else. Um, <laughs> I, very, I very specifically I'm, want Space Quest, but... Uh, but at the same time, uh, you brought up Prototype, which made me think, damn, I would like something like that again. That was like a one-of-a-kind thing, and they did such a good job with the concept. You know, maybe if they did Prototype, it would inspire uh, Sony to get another um, infamous game out. Maybe. All I know is that like traveling, ar- traveling around and involving your powers in that world and the ways in which you could affect the environment with it is unlike anything that I've played of that type before. And I think it was, and I would love to see what they did with it if given a chance to do a new version of it in like 2022, 2023. I would like to see No One Lives Forever. That would also be dope. I mean, Monolith wouldn't be able to work on it because they are owned by Warner Brothers, but, you know. I don't know. I want to see either a remaster of the first game or just another. I mean, I really enjoyed the character Kate Archer, and I would like to see, you know, there are very few games which go for comedy. And No One Lives Forever was able to mix comedy with drama. It was heavy more on the and it was obviously very inspired by Austin Powers. But still, uh, I would love to see another No One Lives Forever game. Yeah, that would be that's a fun pick. Yeah. Anyway, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with the industry news and our giving history articles. We enjoy your feedback, so leave us comments on our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, sub up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charter Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play Space Quest, y'all. And King's Quest. (laughs) Yeah, the thing is, King's Quest is more available right now. (laughs) Although, I think um, Space Quest is on uh, GOG. I'm not 100%. It is. They they both are. Okay. Uh, Quest for Glory is also on there. Lee Shoot Larry is on there. Uh, Dr. Brain is not. And uh, I guess that might be probably a licensing issue there or something. Uh, But yeah, there's not all the Sierra titles are on there, but there's a good number of them. Anyways, uh, we will see you next week. Bye.